jobless and no job wannabes welcome again to the no job podcast today i have a very special guest with me jillian weston we met a few years ago when i was in the midst of my career as a failed financial advisor and i ended up at a networking group specifically for millennials that jillian founded called the unicorn group and we're going to talk about that group today but the main reason she's here is her business jillian circus she's built an admirable business and she's done it all by herself her parents weren't business owners. She was in the position that many of you find yourselves in, having something that you want to do, wanting to do it for yourself, and not knowing how. We're going to examine her journey, learn how she built this, this online marketing firm from the ground up, and what it takes to live this life. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome you, Jillian Weston. How's it going? Hi, good. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Here. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Listen, we're very happy to have you. I really do consider you a uh, a real source of great information, and I think people are going to benefit from it. So I like to start out these interviews with a fun question. I, I want to try this one again. I see what your answer is. What is the first time you can remember earning money? What's the first dollar you can remember earning, and how'd you first get it? Time. Um, probably my parents gave me some sort of allowance or birthday gift or uh, earning it on my own though, uh, probably I be, I mean, I've worked since I'm 13 years old. So my first job was babysitter uh, <laughs> and I babysat for neighbors kids. And then I worked for at around, I think 16, I got a job for a catering company and I worked, um, you know, cleaning the dishes and not clean, but, uh, clearing up the dishes, like bossing or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Food, things like that. <laughs> I got you. So yeah. At what point did you decide, was it when you're 13, when you're 16, that you decide, I don't like having a job and working for somebody? Was it something you were determined to do, something that you fell into? Talk about that. Yeah, I a hundred. I fell right into it. I 100% fell into it. I actually never saw myself as a business owner. Um, I didn't think that that was something that I was even capable of doing. Um, growing up, I was a shy kid, and I was typically like the number two to the leader. Um, I was never the leader growing up. So, um, becoming and stepping into that role, I never envisioned it until it happened. And then when it happened, I just, you know, it was just natural for me to take it on. And so I kept on going, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't planned <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, great. So tell, so tell the people real quickly what your business does. What do you do for people? Sure. So we do online marketing uh, custom plans. So we take all the five main elements of marketing. So content development, website development, social media, search engine optimization, and branding. And we create custom packages for each of our clients based on their goals, based on their target market, what they actually need, what their budget is, et cetera. And we kind of give them a path that makes sense for them. Okay, makes perfect sense. My question is, how did you fall into that? That seems like such a specific <laughs> uh, business objective. How'd you end up doing it? Uh, I feel like I, so I actually, my actual degree is in hospitality, hotel, restaurant management. So I'm the kind of person that um, loves to work. I just, I've always enjoyed working. I love a job. I loved it more than school. So right after college, I, I had to get a job. I couldn't just sit around. So I got a job working the front desk at a local hotel, um, the Ramada Inn in Rockville Center. And 
during that job, I had experience working for trade shows from college. And of course I knew how to use Facebook and those kinds of things. So they didn't have anyone doing that. And I kind of volunteered. I was like, you know, oh, I'll go to the Chamber of Commerce meeting for you. I'll run your Facebook page. I'll go to the bridal shows. And uh, soon enough, I was their marketing director. So after about a year, I became their marketing director. And then from there, I was meeting other business owners. And this was back in 2011 and 2012, when people were just starting to understand that you could use Facebook and Twitter and email marketing for business. So a lot of business owners, because it was so new and I was already doing it successfully for one person, they started asking me to do it for them. And um, I moved out of my parents' house and I needed money for rent. So I was like, oh yeah, sure. You know, I'll do this for you and I'll do that for you. And then I was just good at it and I loved it. And sooner rather than later, I had so much business, I couldn't do it on my own. So I needed help. And uh, then the ball kept on rolling from there. Got it. That's a that's beautiful. One thing that I I I wasn't necessarily expecting, and I think people listening might not have been expecting uh, to hear that you volunteered these services first, without even intending to start a business doing it. I think sometimes we as people can get so caught up in what am I going to get in exchange for what I'm doing, that we lose sight of what we enjoy doing, what 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 are we good at. And what is it fulfilling for us to do? So I think it's cool to hear that in following the path of your fulfillment, you found, uh, you found a way to, to start a business that helps you. And I'm guessing gives energy back to you and makes you feel good. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I found my purpose. Um, I found it by accident. It wasn't something I was going after. But um, I, this is my purpose. Like what I do now is what I met, what I was always meant to do. I just didn't know until, until it happened. <laughs> so. I love, I love the conviction. <laughs> I love when a person can stand in front of me and look me in the eye and say, what I'm doing right now is my purpose. And that's the place my audience is trying to reach. So I know we have exactly the right guest here before us. And another thing I'm seeing is the fact that you, you did your absolute best at what you were doing and it led you to the fulfillment of your purpose. You did the best you absolutely could at your job, and it led you to your business. I'm a big advocate of even if you are at a job that you don't love or don't like, and you want to do something else, there is no reason for you to not do your absolute best there because you never know what it could lead to. It's like character development, you know? Yeah, I I mean, Martin Luther King Day literally just passed, so we read all the quotes, and he has this gorgeous quote about, you know, if you're a street sweeper, like you street, you sweep those streets, like, you know, Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, like you do whatever job you're doing. And I, and I say this to my employees now, you know, whatever job it is, it doesn't matter what society thinks of that job or what you, or if it's the job you actually want in your life, you know, eventually you work the hardest you possibly can at that job and doors will open for you. Um, I never understood, you know, how people work sort of like mediocre at their career or at their job. You know, you're sitting there, you might as well give it 110% um, or how they think that, you know, that doesn't make a difference. The people that work hard just from my experience as an employee and then going to my experience hiring and, you know, having my own employees, when you work hard, doors open. 
And whether it's like monetary with raises or new opportunities like I took on, um, you should always be looking for those things. And, you know, in any job that you're in, if you don't like the position you're in, maybe there's another position in the company that you can take on. Um, one thing I didn't mention is that I, when I first approached my, uh, my supervisor to become the marketing director, because I had been doing all this stuff, they actually told me no. Uh, they said that they wouldn't pay somebody to be like the marketing director for this hotel and that, you know, I could just keep doing it on the side. And I did do it on the side for about a year until I showed them that I made about $40,000 that I could prove much less what I couldn't prove. And at that point, they actually said to me, okay, fine, you know, you could do this full time. So I really encourage people, you know, to, to do the work first and then ask for the reward. And if you're not rewarded in the way that you feel appropriate, then make decisions from there. But don't, you know, like you said, I think a lot of people want the reward first and then they'll do the work. Like, okay, give me, and then I'll do. Um, but really you should start doing and then ask and, you know, say like, look, I, I give all this value. I need some value back and this is how I perceive value. So, right. Right. Absolutely. And if they don't respect it and your value is real, you can take it somewhere else and somebody will recognize it. Absolutely. So that's, I, you're, you're a go-getter. You said <laughs> that you approached them about becoming the marketing director. So in your mind, was there any hesitation about doing that? Was it just natural or, or did you have to be coaxed into it by friends? What's the deal? For me, for, in my situation, it was natural because it was a family. So uh, a lot of people don't know Ramadas are actually franchised. So they're family owned, even though they're under a corporate umbrella. So it was a family that owned it. We were all very close um, and I was already doing so much of this work that I loved and I was the only person doing it. So I felt very comfortable in my situation asking, and I was also a little young and maybe a little naive, which helped out. But, um, in my situation, I felt comfortable going and asking. I know that there's other situations where people are in corporate environments and maybe it's not as easy to go up to your supervisor or to somebody and say, Hey, I want to do this or I want to do that. But I, I really do encourage you to do so. I mean, you know, when my employees come up to me and they say, hey, I want to do, you know, I love what I'm doing, but I would love to do networking. I want to talk to more people. The first thing I do is I get them business cards and I get them out to go networking. If an employee comes to me and they say like, I love writing and I want to do blogging, you know, I say, awesome. You know, we get paid to do blogging. So when we get paid to do blogging, I'll pay you extra to like do those blogs, you know? So I, again, you know, I highly encourage people that to go up and ask the worst thing that they're going to say is that either it's not in the budget, this isn't something that we can do right now, or, you know, we, we can't, whatever the, the worst they're going to say is no, but at least you've shown some initiative and I don't know any boss or manager or supervisor in the world that would take that in a negative way that you want to do something more for the company. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. It's just a matter of showing you care. And I also appreciate yeah. the integrity on your part, because after they said this isn't something we're willing to pay for, they didn't understand the value of that kind of marketing. You still did it and you did it to the best of your ability. You didn't try to sabotage the company. You didn't, you know, pout and talk negatively about them to people. 
and your integrity is being rewarded always. And that's just something I want the audience to take home. Integrity is rewarded. Don't worry about anybody else's integrity but your own. You yes. will be rewarded. Absolutely. So I want to I wanna backtrack a couple years ago to when I met you. So <laughs> audience, I was in life insurance, which I had no business in, by the way, Julian, you didn't know that, but that was the case. And I met a, a young lawyer. I met him at some chamber of commerce. It was Alan. And he invited me to a group called the Unicorn Network. So no offense to the um, no offense to the networking groups that um, we had been at, but they were a little bit older, older average age, and a little bit stodgy, a little bit stiff. And this networking group was completely different. Everybody I saw was around my age. It was a totally cool and relaxed vibe, low pressure vibe. I meet Jillian. Turns out she's the founder of this organization, the Unicorn Network. So Jillian, T tell me the story. How'd you end up founding this organization? Sure. Um, so back in 2016, <laughs> we started the Unicorn Network. And really it was because I started my company at 23 years old. And I think when you're a young person who starts a business, a lot of people are skeptical of you. You know, are you really all that? Do you know what you're talking about? Do you know, you know, can you actually help me? Do you have enough experience? Or, or people already have their people, you know, especially with things like life insurance, you know, by the time you're 40, 50, 60 years old, typically you already have somebody that does your insurance. You already have your connections. So I think it was really difficult for me to break into some of these other networking groups and actually get business from them, whether it was a trust factor or whether it was just that they already knew somebody that did what I did. So the Unicorn Network was really founded to sort of bring together at that time, you know, we were, we were in our early twenties. Now we're in our thirties, but um, <laughs> at that time we were much younger and um, you know, it was really to bring together people who were from the same generation who were like-minded, who were just starting their careers to kind of come together and work together. And um, so that's sort of how it started. And um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, what's the story behind the name Unicorn Network? <laughs> so um, I was in a meeting um, years ago, I guess now, like I don't even know how many years ago. And um, I guess before I started it. So <laughs> something like four or five years ago. And um, I walk into this like room with, uh, you know, whomever I was meeting with, we walk into a room with a bunch of, uh, you know, cubicles and all these people and with announced to the room, everybody, this is a unicorn. And I was kind of taken aback. It was like odd. And I didn't know these people. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, all right. And, you know, it's kind of like one of those things you've ever been in like an awkward meeting. Like you just kind of like ignore certain things. Um, but this person brought me into the conference room and they said, you know, why do you think I called you a unicorn? And I said, honestly, I was going to ignore that because I thought it was super weird. And uh, they said, because it's um, unique to find a young person who's so ambitious and outgoing as you are. And that made me pause because I really felt like I can't possibly be 
the only young person in my early 20s who's ambitious, who's a go-getter, who's starting my own business, who's out there. I just, it can't possibly be only me. And I was like, you know, I really need to find other people like me. And I really need to like spend time with them because I need to learn from them. I need their energy. I need to like be around people who are like-minded. And um, so I set out to find all the unicorns I possibly could. And um, I've been pretty successful, I think. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. You've been very successful. And I know, so a lot of people fear when they go out on their own, right? Doing something they're good at and they believe they should be doing, even they believe it's their purpose. Obviously, one worry about not having a job, not having a nine to five is getting business because you don't get that paycheck no matter what. How do you get clients? How do you get customers? For you, what was that process like? What is that process like? Because I know obviously you still have to prospect today. Yeah, I think the path is different for everyone. Um, I was very blessed. Um, so I was, a, I actually stayed with the hotel as their marketing a manager or director for maybe four years into my company. So I, I was able to start the company and I was able to outgrow. They allowed me to outgrow them. So I was, I was very blessed because they really were supportive of what I was doing and they were supportive of me and they allowed me to go from five days a week to four to three to two. And then within four years at, I was there two days a week, full time. And, um, I was doing work for my own company while I was there. And I just felt like if one of my employees was doing work for someone else, you know, while they were on my time, I would be very upset about that. And I just didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. And so at that point, um, I had built up the company enough where I, it was still scary because I wasn't going to get that steady paycheck, but um, I, I built up the company enough where I felt like I could let go of that steady paycheck. And I felt that I could take on this company full time. Uh, and so I did. Um, but it, so for me, it was a phase out process. Uh, I think a lot of people have to do that. I, I hear from a lot of people that I do the marketing for that they have these full time jobs and they do this on the side. Um, so for a while, sometimes people do have to do that. If you're lucky, you can find something, you know, that will kind of allow you to phase out. Um, and if not, then sometimes you have to make that really scary jump faster, maybe even before you're ready. But, um, I do caution people like, you know, starting your own business, you may not eat for a little bit of time. You know, there, there were definitely days where, you know, I didn't, I wasn't sure, you know, how I was going to make that money or how I was going to pay my rent. So another blessing that I had was that I didn't have children at the time. I didn't have a husband. Like I didn't have anybody who was dependent on me. Um, and I think that that decision might have been different if I had had somebody depending where I couldn't take that massive risk, you know? So again, everybody sort of has a different path to their success and you're willing to take different chances for different reasons, but, um, you see it on shark tank a lot, you know, don't like your dream is beautiful and I believe in it, but, but don't risk your family's lives and, and your mortgage and like everything out, like, you know, so, but there's a lot of opportunity where you could work part-time or where you could do things, you know, sort of as you're growing a company. Um, there's a lot of options, especially today with like, you know, 
all the remote work and stuff. So yeah, for sure. What I tell people is, I mean, of course it's a risk anytime you put yourself out there in the marketplace and try to make something happen. But I just tell them and I tell myself, pay the price to take the risk, whatever the price is. So for me, part of my price is paying down my debt, my wife and I, lowering our expenses. Sometimes you got to pay the price to take the risk if you really believe it's worth it. But I appreciate you uh, being candid about your experience there and sharing the fact that it's most likely going to be tight at times. But if this is your life, if this is the reason you're on planet Earth, you're going to be willing to endure that kind of thing for a season in order to prosper later, not only financially, but in order to feel good later, feel bad a little bit now in order to feel bad, feel good a lot later, right? Uh, Yeah. And, you know, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I just, I'm a very realistic person too. And, you know, I I don't want to, most of the time, yes. But um, if you have people that depend on you, that's important too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) make sure the people that depend on you can still depend on you. Yeah. As long as they can, then take that really, really terrifying leap because it's, it is really scary. It's really scary, but it can be really worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. That's good and smart. And you're just telling people simply there are no guarantees. So do your math, cover your bases as best you can before you step out and try to do something amazing, but do everything you can to make it happen. And um, so I, I like that you were able to minimize your time at the hotel little by little and grow your business little by little and able to make something like a smooth transition. Obviously, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride, but it could have been worse. What would you what would you say what was on your mind during those times when it was tight and it was hard? Were you doubtful? I think I'm doubtful at least once a day, still to this day, eight years later. Um, I think you're always doubtful. I think it's just one of those things. I think that's human life though. I think that's human nature. I think we're all a little bit doubtful, right? Um, On occasion or um, all the time, but in those beginning stages financially, yes, I was, I was doubtful. Um, Yes. I was scared. Um, but I always say new levels, new devils. Um, so it's funny, like, you know, you think, oh, once I do this, it's then I'm going to be great, you know, but once you get to this next level, there's a new problem that you have to solve. And then you have to solve that. And then you want to get to the next level. And, um, so I think it's always a little bit scary. Um, but yeah, there were, there were definitely times where I doubted that I would make it through. And, um, these past two years were incredibly difficult. Um, I think I had the worst two years of my company in 2019 and 2020. And, uh, you know, I was very doubtful over these last two years, but I think now that I made it through that time, I'm less doubtful than I've ever been, um, making it through those really, really hard times where I thought I might have to close the company where I didn't know, you know, if I, where I was hanging on by a thread. Um, but when you make it through those times, like then you become like, I mean, like the confidence goes through the roof, you know? (laughs) So. Yeah. So the, the reward of going through a challenge and making it is more confidence and feeling like you you can do anything. 
So the next challenge that comes around may not be so bad, or maybe it'll be bigger than anything you've ever faced. I just love that you're keeping it real. You're telling <laughs> us that there's going to be hardship. There's going to be tough times. There's no guarantees for anything. That's why I'm telling people, and I think you're telling people too, the only reason you should do this if, is if in your soul you have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the only way you'll get through. I, I you know, uh, 2019 was honestly like one of the worst years for my company just from beginning to end. And, um, and now I'm grateful because I, it prepared me for 2020. So um, because I went through 2019, I went through all the things that I did. Um, I was 2020 actually wasn't so bad. And I think that if I hadn't have gone through 2019 in that way, I would have really been much more devastated by the things that were going on in, you know, in this past year. So sometimes like these challenges are blessings in disguise. You just kind of have to wait out to see that blessing. And um, if you can make it through the challenges and not give up, oh my God, you're going to be so much stronger. You're going to be like 10 times stronger than you ever were. Right. Let me ask, how did you, how did you, did you, did you have to put on a strong face for your employees? Because you're somebody, guys, you may, you don't know, Jillian, she doesn't just have a business. She has a space. She has a, a storefront um, and she has employees who work there your relationship to your employees, was it strained in this time? How did you feel around them? Did you let them see any of this? Um, I think because we're a small place, you know, I, it's, it is a storefront, but we're still family oriented and like, it is small. They felt it, they knew it. And I think that that led to like some of the, um, pro like some of it, you just can't hide. Like sometimes things happen and you just can't hide it. You're all in a, in one room together. And I happen to be of the belief that, you know, I don't like having a separate office. So I like being in the middle of my employees and like around everyone. Um, so I, they definitely knew that there were things going on, but you absolutely try to keep a straight face. Like as a leader, your job is to lead. Your job is to keep everybody calm around you. Your job is to make everybody else feel confident about what they're doing and their job and, you know, what's going on. And so, yes, I definitely tried to keep a brave face as much as I possibly could. Um, but I don't think that there is any way that anyone that worked closely with me uh, in that 2019, that year, uh, didn't feel some type of something that was going on with me. Whether they uh, knew exactly what it was or not, uh, I'm also not, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So I, I'm not one of those like straight faced, uh, you know, buttoned up people. So mm -hmm. if you were around me in 2019 on a consistent basis, you, you felt it. Um, gotcha. gotcha. And <laughs> so, and again, this is kind of the result of taking a different path. Maybe if you were working a job somewhere, you wouldn't have felt as stressed, but um, that's, that's the price you pay to do what you want to do. It's a high one, but it seems like for you, it's really worth it. Um, so having gone through the challenges of 2019 and now 2020, having paid a high price in terms of stress, is there anything that you feel like you, you paid to do this that we haven't talked about? Has, has, has there been anything that people, your peers from high school and college maybe do that you're not doing yet because you've been busy grinding and building this thing? What, what, what's the cost? It's a good question. Um, you know, I, I kind of, 
the cost is probably my health is probably the biggest cost. Um, you know, I see a lot of people, they prioritize the gym and they prioritize their own health and their own wellness. Um, I don't prioritize that. Um, I value more hard work and, you know, getting things done and making sure that they're done. So I don't go to the gym as often. Um, I don't cook very often. Um, I don't sleep very often. Uh, there's things that I do not as often, I guess, as, as other people do them or as regularly as other people do them. So health is probably a little bit of a sacrifice. I'm trying, I'm not really trying that hard. I'm not even going to lie to you people. Like, <laughs> I should be trying, but I'm not trying that hard. Um, so a lot of microwaved meals, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of uh, no gym. But um, so health is one of the things definitely under, I don't know. So you sacrifice some relationships, but you gain others. So um, I, as I said, I was a very shy kid. I was kind of the number two. Um, and when you start to come into your own and you start to know your own worth and discover your value and become, you become a different person and you, and you become a different version of yourself. So it's not that you're a completely different version, but it might not be a version that people are comfortable with that, with you in that space. And while they might've been comfortable with you as you maybe, you know, in whatever relationship they were in with you, um, once you start to grow yourself and gain that confidence, gain the respect of your peers, when that relationship change and shifts, not everybody's comfortable with that new person. And so they sometimes act out. Um, they sometimes get angry. They sometimes get, um, you know, there's all different ways that people react. Um, and sometimes you do have to shed those friendships Sometimes you start to see the world differently than your family, than your friends. You start to have different ideas than you did before. You start to get a different perspective on yourself, on the people around you. Um, and so those things shift your relationships. And so I, I don't think that I've sacrificed relationships. I think that I have shifted them from some people who maybe didn't understand what I was doing or the person that I became, um, or who wasn't comfortable there with me, uh, to people that were. And, um, so now I feel surrounded by a lot of people who really understand or who want to understand and want to be part of this life now. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I don't see it as a sacrifice, although I think that a lot of people do. Right. So my next question for you is, Obviously, you just talked a little bit about bucking people's expectations, uh, even people that were very close to you, and how some people respond more positively than others to that, and it can put some strain on relationships. Just as a, a woman and a very young woman who owns her own business, do you find that you encounter sexism on any sort of regular basis or in any significant way? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely all the time. Absolutely. Um, people say things. I talk about this with uh, my, you know, friends who are female entrepreneurs all the time uh, will be asked on, you know, professional meetings just to then find out that unless we have dinner with people, they're not going to hire us. 
um, or, you know, they want our cell phone numbers or they want to spend time with us. Um, I, you know, we get uh, a good story is I, I went to a networking event and, um, there was, I was standing with three other men, you know, and whatever we were talking and somebody walked up to us and they asked every single person, you know, they introduced themselves and they asked every single all the men in the circle, they said, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And when they came to me, they said, who do you work for? That was their question. Who do you work for? And it was interesting because I was the only one in the circle that actually owned my own business. Everybody else worked for other companies. And, um, so it's something that always stuck out in my mind. Um, and it's a very interesting thing, you know, uh, to not be taken seriously or, to be assumed that you do less or that you work for someone else. Or um, I know some of my friends have said, oh, is it your dad's business? You know, um, which is interesting as well. So it's something I think you just, as a woman, you sort of deal with as best as you can. And you cross, you know, you make sure those lines don't get crossed. Um and if, listen, if somebody only wants to hire me so they can go to dinner with me, like, I, I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> like, you know, then I don't really need your business super much, you know? So if you, if that's the only value that you think you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you shared that because if you're somebody who's not having that experience, it can be hard to imagine that someone else is, but that doesn't mean that they're not. So I appreciate your candor, not only on that topic, but with everything we discussed tonight. And as we get ready to close, I just want you to imagine you're talking to an eight-year-old Jillian Weston (laughs) who is used to being number two, who's comfortable being number two. She probably knows in her heart that she has the talent and grit and skill to do the number one work, but she hides in that number two position because she thinks it's safe and doesn't want to put herself out there. And she's as insecure as any eight-year-old girl is. Jillian Weston from the future comes to her and, and, and gives her a message of encouragement. What do you say to her? I would tell her, don't let people tell you that it's so hard. Like, don't let people tell you that you can't do it. And don't let people make you feel like what you want to accomplish is not, you can't do. Um, you go out and you do it. And if you want to join a club, like it's, it's not that scary, you know, like everyone, everyone, once you join and get into it, like, you're going to be fine. You know, if you want to like take a class, like you take that class and it doesn't matter what people tell you. And, um, to just go out and do what you want to do, no matter how hard other people make it seem, because often people do make it seem a lot harder than it actually is once you're in it. So. Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> Jillian, thank you so much for that advice. Um, I know that if you would share it with the eight-year-old Jillian, that it's <laughs> deep from your heart and it's the best advice you can give. We're going to take that and apply it to our lives. Thank you so much for your candor throughout this conversation. Thank you for making yourself available to us. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Please let people know where they can find you, um, your business, you, where can they find you on social media? Uh, yeah, Jillian Circus um, is my Instagram. I'm growing my YouTube page, which is Jillian Circus. Um, my blog is called For the Love of Business. 
And there's a lot of really great tips on there. Um, my website is Jillian Circus. Email Jillian at JillianCircus.com. <laughs> Just Google Jillian Circus. You'll okay. find it. <laughs> Got you. People, you can reach out to Jillian, but not for dinner. That's not what she's yeah. here for. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jill. Have a wonderful night. We really appreciate having you on. You too. Thank you All so right. much. Have a great night. You too. Bye. We're coming fresh off a great interview with Jillian Weston, founder of Jillian Circus, the social media marketing company and the Unicorn Network. We learned a lot. But if I could boil it all down to two main points, I'd say first, integrity matters. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I think that was abundantly clear in Jillian's story. When she worked for the hotel, she worked for that hotel as if it was her own company. When she went to the hotel asking them to give her a new position and they declined, she didn't sabotage the hotel. She didn't decide to not work as hard. She decided to work as hard as she could because it was the right thing to do, not even knowing that she would later get rewarded with the position she initially asked for. So as we said in the conversation, integrity is rewarded. Integrity is rewarded. Nothing is for nothing. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. The second point is there's a price to all this. It's not all glitz and glamour. There's going to be some sleepless nights because you're working all night and there'll be sleepless nights because you're stressed all night. Chances are, if you're going to make it, you're going to, you're going to pass through these seasons. But if it's something that you feel in your soul, you have to do. And I got to believe if you're listening to something called the No Job Podcast for any amount of time, you're one of the people that feels in his soul, that knows in her soul that you have to do something different, that you need to serve the people on this planet in a different way than you can find in a nine to five, then it's worth, worth the price. But make no mistake, it does come at a cost. With that, I want to thank you guys for spending your time with us. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for interacting with us on social media, for streaming the podcast. We are creating a community for people who hate jobs, but absolutely love to work, who want to use their energy and their in alignment with their passion to build something that is important to them and profitable. Again, I can't thank you enough. This is the No Job Podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you.